right, welcome to another episode of Odyssey and Muse. I'm John Jerko, and this is a podcast where we explore adventure, creativity, and living life without a Mac. In this episode, I'll be talking with my friend Murphy Martin. He's an actor living in Los Angeles, following his passion, and finding his way to stardom. So welcome to the show, Murphy. <laughs> How you been, man? Good. How are you doing? Doing awesome. It's been a while. It's been, uh, I don't know. It's probably I'll... close to a year now, huh? Yeah, about a year. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. So I, I, I think we actually met on Sean Cruiser's film, right? Is that where? Yeah. Yes, um, we did. Named Fuck the Lake. So oh, Fuck the Lake. This has instantly yeah. become a X-rated podcast because of Sean Cruiser. We'll blame him. <laughs> yeah now well, my aunt had some questions when look, trying to look it up online and <laughs> she's like i'm finding other things uh, that don't look much like you i don't you. think this is what you were doing <laughs> i was like no not fuck by the lake it's uh just uh, fuck so, the lake yeah so no I, I remember that very well and and then i had the uh the opportunity to drive up in the same car as you and that yeah, was great yeah that was that's a great drive too going up to big bear that was i think that was my first time up there i was like oh man those mountains yeah. are beautiful and the view over the valley it was, a, yeah. it was a good trip and i remember on the way back too we stopped because it was just like this perfect uh cloud coverage that was we were like above the clouds and there was just oh, this yeah. layer of clouds underneath us that was so cool. And uh, you let me borrow your picture, too, because my phone died right when I took my picture. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. <laughs> Thank you yeah. again for that. Got <laughs> no some Instagram problem. likes off of you. <laughs> yeah, dude, anytime, anytime. <laughs> so was that the first time you worked with Sean? Was that how he found you? Was when he was putting um, that movie together? That, yeah, that was the first time. Um, I had submitted, I believe, through Bax stage um to the to the short film uh-huh and and he got back in touch with me and asked to do a skype audition which is the first and only one i've ever done oh really um yeah how so, did that go what was it like that was very interesting i i uh just sat in my bed and you know read off the script and and kind of prepared as much as i thought i could for a yeah. skype audition and um, I, I felt really comfortable oddly enough and he didn't do any weird things like leave, <laughs> you know, leave to go, you know, take care of something in yeah, the middle yeah. of it or, or yeah. take me on a tour of his house or something. Uh -huh. he, so he, he kind of kept it grounded for as much as he can in that regards. And I, I felt that he just seemed comfortable right off the bat. So I don't know if necessarily the audition help me get it but i think that was enough to kind of let him know i was a real person that didn't yeah. you know have any noti noticeable issues that wouldn't be you know yeah so hard, <laughs> so, hard you're, to work so you're both able to kind of acknowledge that you're, you're both normal people trying yeah to do exactly cool stuff. So, so uh what, what what were you doing at that time when you were on backstage i mean you were just kind of looking for anything to yeah i had finished at the cal arts uh, in 2013 in the mm -hmm. summer and so I, I made the move out to Los Angeles from Valencia, which is only about 30 minutes away, but it, it's far enough because, you know, when you're in an intensive theater program, you yeah. really don't have, don't have the time to travel out and, or do anything like that. So I, I moved out and uh, I think it was the April after moving out uh, or graduating from school that oh, I was okay. just, yeah, I was getting very antsy. I'd done a, a theater show for someone who graduated from Cal Arts where I wore a mm -hmm. full body uh, full body zentai suit. Oh, that's interesting. It was pretty <laughs> I see hysterical. some of those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh 
it was out there. You know, it was Brecht's piece on ocean flight, which was uh, the travel of um, Lindenberg. Oh my oh, God, really? I'm spacing. Yeah, oh. across the Atlantic. Oh, okay. That, yeah, yeah. I think you're so right. I, I, yeah, I think essentially I was playing the ghost spirits, and you know, the if I can divulge you in a funny story about that. Yeah, so sure. Quickly, they. The Zentai suit that I had gotten had a hole towards the crotch. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, it, yeah, it wasn't too bad, but mm -hmm. uh, they had advised me to wear bar, uh, briefs, like to hold everything in, in place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that morning, one of the weekends, I totally spaced out, went to Tai Chi, was in the, in the groove, like, oh, yeah, I feel great. I can't wait to do this. And I had forgot to wear my boxer briefs and just oh, had on man. traditional boxers. So I go down into a deep squat before uh while stretching and i and i look down and i go oh my god those are my nuts oh man and, uh, they're just out so i'm thinking shit i gotta get ready to uh, how am i gonna do this yeah yeah but i i was so chilled out that i kind of stood up took a breath and then asked one of the crew guys if they had a gaffer tape <laughs> to try and tape it together yeah and i i basically treated my my uh nut sack like it was uh produce and put it in like uh and t tied it tied it up and yeah yeah it was so bizarre bundled but it, it up there yeah it worked and no one ever had to you know because i don't say anything in the zentai suit so i didn't want to ruin the whole play by doing some weird experimental movement and then oh my god yeah. that, whoa not, yeah <laughs> gotta take everyone on? out of the world of the, the yeah they're not listening to anything so anyway that was that's, That's funny, funny random story. But um, yeah, so I was really wanting to get into doing film and, and television. And I had had the, uh, I guess, the stereotypical encounter with a manager right out of Cal Arts, you know, mm -hmm. from the showcase saying, you know, he worked at Free Arts and he was going to change my life and do all these wonderful things. Yeah, and, yeah. Gets you all you excited. Know, yeah, he got me a couple of legit auditions where I was feeling you know, really good about myself. Yeah. I remember the day I, uh, quote unquote signed with him, I dropped to the ground in tears and was just so grateful yeah. and just a sucker for that. And, you know, he, he called me up, uh, actually right before Sean's film telling me good news and bad news. And the good news is that he left three arts and the bad news <laughs> is that he, that he couldn't keep me on anymore. And I was thinking, well, oh, that, wow. Doesn't sound like the good, the news, good at all. news is mostly related to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well, that, that was a real gut punch. And, so you were uh, just looking for other ways to to try and get into different productions and start yeah, working to, film. Exactly to keep going because I'd had all this knowledge and information, and I'd made this commitment to myself to to do this, and you know, and I, I wanted something to sink my teeth into. Yeah, and I saw Sean's uh, post and lucked out and, and got that and immediately you went to go work on it with um faculty that i had known from cal arts to just see how deep i could dive yeah. on my own own accord because early on i figured that regardless of the circumstances whether it's a you know million dollar movie set or a virtually no budget set what you bring to the role is entirely up to you and it's not going to just all of a sudden change the higher up you get yeah so, exactly yeah was, you can you can grow at any level it's, you just got to be out there doing it i guess is the biggest exactly. part right yeah so uh, i kind of want to talk a little bit more about uh th that production fuck the lake but uh 
I'm kind of curious right now. I'm trying to put together like a little short and stuff, and I'm thinking about using backstage. I don't know if you could tell me a little bit about it from your perspective as an actor, and maybe I don't know if you were using Craigslist at the same time um, to try to find stuff. Maybe just compare those and and how backstage has worked for you. And I don't know if you've gotten anything else through it or what you like and don't like about it. I I uh, I don't know. It's a to lot be of honest. questions. <laughs> no, no, no. That that's fine. I I I think I've got answers. I I just was meant more towards the backstage i have only used it successfully that one time with mm. sean and um i've kind of been able to keep busy by work continuing to work with him and yeah and and feel that i lucked out it, it's kind of like online dating where you you know <laughs> you get okay cupid or whatever and then all of a sudden you're like oh this, this is working out great yeah, I, yeah. I don't really this i don't really need to be on this yeah, yeah exactly. i don't need to be on this website i can and Sean, Sean shoots a lot too. He's a maniac. He's just always writing and shooting stuff. So yeah, <laughs> getting hooked up with him yeah. is a good deal. <laughs> yeah, I I truly feel blessed in that, uh, and you know for that. So uh, yeah, I I used backstage for a little while to get going. I think I did get other auditions that mm -hmm. um, they were fine. The people were great. It just didn't work out where I you know I didn't get cast or they went in a different direction. But I'd use mostly backstage for that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then. And then LA casting and actors access is I only do that because my commercial agent and agent have kind of made me do that. Yeah. They're, they're kind of, that's the requirement. But if you are doing it on your own backstage is great and you get to just fill out your resume and profile. And it's basically like, you're just making a website for yourself to promote your, yeah, your yeah. stuff. Do you, stuff. do you have to pay a monthly fee as an actor? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's I think it's fourteen bucks or ten or fourteen dollars a month. That's not too bad because I think for for like the production side of it, it's more by the role posting or something like that. The least oh, thing really? I think they do it. Yeah, I haven't posted anything up yet, but I was trying to trying to pick Sean's brain a little bit about it. But um, yeah, I think they. Uh, I've heard that uh, listening to a podcast today that Amy Schumer used Craigslist, but I think she was more trying to. I don't know. She's just getting people she didn't know to be on her show to kind of yeah interview. yeah and i i think probably out in la it's easier there's there's a lot more people out there trying to do it so like where i'm at in ohio right now like <laughs> on craigslist yeah. there's like three kind of questionable posts every like two to four months that you see on there and it's usually related uh, to like uh exotic dancing or something Oh. <laughs> so I, I was looking at backstage and there's actually some people on there that look somewhat legitimate that's kind of why i wondered wonder what yeah. your experience was like on there so well hey that's i cool. don't we would we wouldn't be talking today yeah, if it yeah. wasn't, wasn't awesome. it, so i would say it's a go <laughs> well i i hate to make this like all about uh sean cruiser's work too <laughs> not that i no, sean, sean was the first guest on here so i love you oh, sean cool. but uh <laughs> I'm I'm just curious in terms of um, like maybe working with Sean and working with other directors from an actor's point of view. Like, what makes um, working with a director good? Like, what makes that relationship good? And what's what kind of in your mind is good direction versus bad direction? Uh, I would say trust is a huge part of it, mm -hmm. and that if you can establish a dialogue that you both are understanding and, and um just kind of oh sorry let me rephrase that so if you have a 
a dialogue that you both understand and you're not confused in what they're telling you that that's very helpful. Yeah. So if you're, you know, and, and that just like dating is just sometimes comes a little more natural with certain people. Yeah. It's more of a chemistry kind of thing. Yeah. Chemistry between the two. Um, because a lot of the time, uh, uh me personally with Sean, I can just, it's his kind of tenacious aura and, and passionate drive is for me enough to kind of understand the uh, groundedness and, and seriousness of what I need to bring to yeah. kind of fulfill this these moments. So it's so, kind of a combination of getting you excited to be like, I want to do the best I can and making you relax enough to not feel like so awkward that you can't actually focus on what you're trying to do. Yeah. Maybe like yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's, you know, just uh, kind of, you, you can just tell what, with Sean, especially he'll, he'll just, he'll know it um, when it's worked out and then move on. And that's a really good thing to be around because it's tough for actors to think that they could have gotten something right in the first or second try. Yeah. And when you look at someone as confident as Sean and he's just, Nope, got it. Let's go. You just, that in itself has helped me out a lot when I've worked on other projects to think that, okay, I don't need to second guess myself. Yeah. And it, and if you don't hear any feedback, just keep doing what you're doing because the last thing you need is another person in your head confusing you. Yeah. yeah. It's easy for that little voice to come up. <laughs> yeah. You're already doing that for yourself. So, you know, um, that kind of helps and his direction is very simple. And I think I respond more to that. I mean, I remember, and fuck the lake when I was supposed to go up to Jen in the beginning. Um, he, I did, you know, I, tr I woke her up and that was that, but then he came, I walked over to Sean and he just looks at me and I remember he just goes, I want you to scare her. <laughs> and then that just clicked. I go, Oh, okay. And then that you know, that in itself yeah. opened me up so much. I, I didn't have to ask for permission to be like, okay, I'm sorry if I look a little insane and crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's just kind of, what kind of let you is, loose. <laughs> yeah. So that was nice to, to get that affirmation and permission. So I think, uh, what I was going to say on the flip side, what's, what are, what are some like bad experiences where like, I don't know if you sure. have any examples in particular of where, uh, people just couldn't get across communication. Like what, what went wrong? Uh, I, yeah, I did a student film where I think it would have more, was more a language barrier, but the kid, uh, English wasn't his first language, and he just kept telling me to stand straighter. And <laughs> that's, a, that's a strange request, I guess. It, it, well, I was playing a butler, and and, mm -hmm. and he just keeps going. He's like, uh, stand straighter, stand straighter, st st stand straighter. And I looked at him, I was like, I can't, I can't stand anymore straight. <laughs> this, I, this is as straight I don't as know I what's get. What's going on? I'm freaking out. I, oh, I don't know tough. what the hell. So you know, he kept doing that, and then uh, he just kept go, watch Downton Abbey. Watch Downton Abbey, and I was like, okay. And I watched it, and I'm thinking, uh, well, it's it's more than just standing straight. I I'm getting that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. So that was tough because that he just and even when I thought I was standing as straight as I human, <laughs> you know, as humanly possible, that still wasn't straight enough. And so this became this awful back yeah, and forth. Yeah, it sounds like he probably was just frustrated and didn't know how to communicate it to you. Huh? <laughs> so. Yeah. No, absolutely not. So, you know, that, I don't know how that helped, if that was helpful to answer your question, but I think if, yeah, you can't, 
never to have people bark orders at you is very hard. And I know that people can understand that while being at work, you yeah. know, if you're working in a restaurant or you're working, selling clothes, uh, if some customer walks up and tells you, go in the back, get me a size 10, uh-huh. you know, you know, you don't respond well to that. You're not going to go like, Oh, no. okay, great. Yeah. I'm going to do that right now. Yeah. Instantly it makes your blood boil and you're, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, we are all human beings trying to make the best of what we're given in this life. So please treat me with that respect and I will treat it you right back with it. And I think that goes a long way. So yeah, yeah the respect it, thing is a big deal for sure. Yeah. So what I know I keep like digging into this a little more, but um, in terms of just like basic direction, do you think like pointing out um, the actor's motivations is more helpful or specific actions? I mean, I know you were just saying stand straighter <laughs> <Doesn't>, <laughs> after well, after maybe the first or second time doesn't really yeah, uh, help out. Uh, any, but. No, I, I think that's great. Yes. To hear cir- um, motivations is very helpful whenever you know, if it's a play or a film, if anyone, you, you can never hear those things too many times because there's a difference of, uh, listening to it, but then actually hearing it is the other part. So, uh, and, and there's the, also the difference between hearing it in your brain and then digesting it in your gut. Yeah. So if you, as the director are, are watching it and you think that they might not have fully, uh, taken on the circumstances that you're, that the character needs to be at, then I don't think it's wrong to say, okay, just remember that uh, your motivation is your family's uh, in another country and you're trying to raise money for them. So you losing this job is actually a big deal. Yeah. Cause it gives and, you and something then, to focus on internally, I would think. Right. Yeah. And it, and it helps because it's, you know, you got a, someone on your team that wants you to succeed. I mean, yeah. the director, the director doesn't want you to keep failing and, and, <laughs> you know, and just film that. Cause that's a really long, boring day. So yeah, it's a kind of this dual effort and it's teamwork and it's the same way a coach would talk to the player, I'm sure in a basketball game. And, um, cause the director has such a, uh, expansive vision of what's going on. And sometimes the actor can get very narrow minded in, yeah. in his world. So to hear it in a, in the bigger scheme is, is very helpful. Uh, that's interesting. Well, let's let's go back a little bit. Um, did you, did you always have the desire to to act or to work in films or theater or where did where did this all kind of come about for you? Uh, well, I think early on, my mother has uh, told me that my brother and sister, my older brother and sister, would practice in front of the fireplace for for speech class. So they would mm-hmm. stand there and do that, and that. I, after them, would go up and then continue to talk about nothing, but just get really into it yeah. and then start doing characters or, and, uh, you know, my mother figured at that age, you know, he's either going to be a little crazy kid or we should put him in the theater <laughs> so that at least he can memorize other people's lines and then people will go, oh, that's cool. But, were, your, were your parents in the arts at all? My, uh, no, my father is an architect Mm -hmm. and my, my mother was an x-ray technician. Uh, so yeah, my dad was in art in that sense of designing homes. And I, you know, he, that to him, he says is not work and that's why he's able to do it for as long as he has. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. He He found what he loves. Exactly. So if he didn't have a family, he would be there all the time. And I, 
wanted to kind of find that for me because it just seems so fulfilling to him. Yeah. And there's this undeniable source of energy that has fueled him for 63 years. And I don't know, it's, it's crazy. It blows my mind. Um, but yeah, I'd say at an early age, I was just talking to myself. I'd always, anytime we'd go out to the store or a clothing store, my mom, I, I would disappear and then come back in a different outfit <laughs> talking in a different like voice and just oh, nice. do, doing that kind of stuff, you know, and, um, and just teasing, uh, goofing around and making my friends laugh as much as I could. So you're just um, kind of a natural entertainer in the family and around your friends. Yeah. I just loved it so much and, um, would get responses from it. And my brother, my older brother is, is extremely book smart and just, um, not that I'm not book smart. I, I don't think as much as he is, but I feel that that maybe was my way of communicating with the family was to make them laugh or to do that. Yeah. And, and to see my brother laugh with kind of, that was enough for me or to see my family, you know, they were so important to me. And, and I was thinking, Oh my God, this really smart guy's laughing at me. That's a good, that's cool. That's great. Um, you know, and then right there you get to bridge all these gaps and be, have more friends because you're opening them up in a different way. Yeah. And it's mutually beneficial. So did your mom recognize, you said your, your mom recognized that and then put you into theater early on. Oh yeah, she would uh, fourth grade. She put me into my first play where I played the mayor in the Pied Piper. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, yeah, that was that was the first one. Oh, I I won the. Well, this is so silly, but I won the talent <laughs> show in first grade for singing. I just can't wait to be king. <laughs> and, and I did a somersault uh, at the end. My uh, sister choreographed it, and oh man, you know. Gymnastic yeah, ability was... as well. <laughs> oh, you bet. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh... But yeah, so there was, she had signed me up, but then I think, and then put me in voice lessons and I was doing musicals. But I think at a certain age, when I started to skateboard and play guitar around sixth grade, uh -huh. so only two years later, I became a little more rebellious, in, but then I would always cave in the sense that my mom would sign me up for auditions for these plays and then not tell me until the day of. And I, and that would piss me off because I thought I had, <laughs> I had no choice in it. And I would yeah. just say, yeah, I'd have this kind of sense of how dare you. Like you can't just spring up. this on me. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm doing things. I'm yeah. trying to learn how to Ollie and you, you know, <laughs> and, and cover blink 182 and you're, you're signing me up for this shit. And then, you know, inevitably I'd, I'd show up and love it and was just kind of, um, that's kind of cool that she saw, you know, she saw it in you and she kept pushing you towards it. So, I mean, a lot of, it, a lot of parents are like, well, he doesn't want to do it right now. He could just quit. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't have to drive him here. <laughs> no, you're so absolutely cool. right. I, um, I'm realizing it more now in this age, how lucky I was to have that support system. Um, Did did you have yeah. any teachers or people that influenced you growing up that, that kind of pushed you in that direction too? In terms uh, of theater? Yes. I remember my teacher, Mr. Marvel in eighth grade. He, he wasn't a, an acting teacher by any means. He was just our regular uh, grade school teachers mm -hmm. who taught all the classes. 
Um, he was just the super cool dude. He listened to Rage Against the Machine. He was the like <laughs> that's the a young... cool teacher. <laughs> yeah, straight up, just one of those younger guys who had a tattoo, and all the moms were just would drool over him. And um, he he had heard that you know I like Blink One Eighty Two, and then I was in theater, and he was a huge soccer sports guy, and. Um, Anyway, I, I kind of felt that, oh, maybe he didn't like respect acting or something because it was whatever. And yeah. so, any, so anyway, he found yeah. out that I was in a community theater play and the whole class took a field trip to go see it. And then after he wrote in my um, yearbook, because I had told him that I, I would get made fun of a lot from the public school kids because I went to a Catholic school and I was in theater and yeah. I would get You're just get made beat up. <laughs> yeah, I, I did get made fun of uh, in uh, um very bad badly at, at uh, certain points and and that was pretty devastating and i just remember he wrote in my yearbook that no matter what don't give up on your dream because you're good at it and uh, it was it's something along the lines of that and it really helped me out you. yeah because that was such a cool thing to hear from this guy i really looked up to and, and my brother's about nine years uh, ahead of me so oddly i've always found these male mentors uh even female too but that are kind of around the age that my brother is and yeah. since he, he that my brother's on the other side of the country they've kind of been these guardian angels that have fulfilled his you know that yeah, yeah. that role and, and continued to motivate me to keep going um so yeah i'd say that and oh what else just uh mary white is another lady she was a younger um, theater person who put me in shows and started to kind of give me these goofy roles like Ichabod Crane and uh -huh. and stuff like that and and so anyway that those people I'd say were really so when when did you know that you were definitely going to do this and decide decide to go to school for it after high school? <laughs> well, my uh, in my sophomore year I got into a band called Muff, Muff. and uh, <laughs> yeah I, I like didn't it. think. Yeah, I didn't think my mom knew what the name meant. Uh, <laughs> it's probably a good I, thing. She, well, she did. Oh, know. she did. <laughs> she, she, she came home and one day really stressed out, and I said, "What's wrong?" She goes, "My daughter's an underachiever. My son's a pervert." And I was, <laughs> like, I was like, "What, what do you mean?" You? She goes, "Muff." I go, it, "It's like you know what, what they say in baseball. Oh, he muffed it." And she's like, <laughs> "Yeah, right." Yeah. Yeah, so I was, and then I didn't help that one of our hit songs was called Muff Dive. Oh, boy. And so, anyway, uh, that I really loved that because there were no rules, and I was able to just run around and and uh, be this crazy front man singing and playing guitar. And, and all these voice lessons had paid off, you know, not just to sing classical musical yeah. theater, but now I'm singing rock songs that I've written. and um, so I wasn't going to go to college and I was really close to not doing that and actually pursuing the band with my friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think everyone got cold feet at the last second. And yeah, it's tough to get, of, to get more than one person to go along with. Oh, it's, let's do yeah, this <laughs> at 17 motivating yourself and even still now is tough but yeah with two other dudes who are kind of like yeah i don't know man yeah, you gotta get a real job <laughs> i mean this uh this other stuff's you know like a girlfriend i, I kind of want to go to college and do that so anyway they 
uh, we all decided last minute to do that. And I, um, applied to five schools, only got into two. Uh-huh. And one was Webster university in St. Louis for their conservatory acting program or Cal state Northridge. And I kind of figured that there wasn't really a school for Rockstar. That that school is just not going to college yeah. and doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think part of me realized I wasn't mature enough to make to do that. So I I went to Webster in St. Louis. Um, oh, for, okay. I didn't realize you were acting. There. Yeah, I did that for two years, and they kicked me out. <laughs> Why'd you get uh, kicked out? <laughs> Can you share that story? Or? Sure. I guess they I feel that they thought I was a bad influence. Really? Uh, yeah, I went to a Catholic school my whole life and I got there and I dyed my hair blue and I skated and I played in a band and I smoked pot and I kind of did my thing and and they just did not like that. Yeah. And it was, you know, they thought I was being defiant and, you know, I was cast in a, uh, the cripple of Inishman, this Martin McDonough play my sophomore year. I never missed class. And it was this whole devastating experience where they, um, put me on warning and then for the first semester and then probation and, and that I, I just tried so hard. But in that experience, I discovered what real true dramatic acting was all about. Uh-huh. Um, and that was, uh, so up until that point to college, it was all musical theater. And so when I got into this program, um, which I auditioned for up in Los Angeles, uh, they, asked if you want to do musical theater or just straight theater. And, and I was kind of guess, egotistical. And I'm, like, I'm not singing any more songs. It's stupid. Yeah. I, want, I want to learn how to act. Act good. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I, I, I checked that box off and I realized how terrible I was at that. And, and um, or just in my head, all of a sudden, when you get to acting school, it's a nightmare because you just become aware of how awkward you are at communicating with people. Uh-huh. And, so you start overthinking and, it almost? Like, oh my God, yeah. My first uh, showing scene was from Fool for Love, a Sam Shepard play, and I don't think I moved from <laughs> the whole, one spot the whole scene. I just stood there and was like, frozen. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. And uh, was it you know, kind it, of a like, how am I going to, I just got to keep going and get through this scene? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I, I, felt, I thought that running for five miles before would give me that feeling that I was out of, you know, breath and, and yeah. exhausted because the, char- <laughs> the character had been traveling, but that didn't help at all. I just looked like an idiot running in all black around <laughs> around St. Louis. And then I got there and, and it just was, I just froze up. And um, oh, that's tough. So, you know, that, that was my first year. And then sophomore year, I started to loosen up a bit more. And so anyway, the final Second year there, I was doing Dr. Rank from A Doll's House, the Henrik Ibsen play. And um, Dr. Rank's whole thing is that he's in love with Nora and he's going to die soon. And that realistically, everyone's going to forget him and move on like he never was there. Yeah, it's pretty dark. And Yeah, and I started to connect that or understand it personally with uh, them threatening to kick me out because you have all these optimistic, shining young uh, people that are just want, you know, wanting to act and they're here, they're away from home. They're very excited. And, yeah. uh, and they're just wanting to continue to move on and they're threatening to take this away from me. And I just realized that if they kick me out, they're not going to care and they're going to move on and their lives are all going to continue and they're not going to give a shit that yeah. I was thrown away. 
And so I, I started to kind of connect personally. And, and then I remember doing that scene. It was just like my heart was cracked wide open. And, and I'd been a particularly emotional and sensitive kid and made fun of it my whole life. And I realized that that was what um, acting was, was sharing those parts of yourself that you that were uncomfortable, but helped other people feel better about themselves because they could empathize and, and see that, that yeah. they have those moments too. So anyway, long story short, they did kick me out and uh, that was awful. And I, for the first year after it was, um, well, that first summer I, I was like, fuck school. I'm sorry to say the F word. I'm not going back. Right. And uh, then I realized, I think a couple months into summer that I was not ready. And, and I went to Santa Monica college in LA and, and convinced my parents that I should move up to LA and live with my friend. Yeah. And that was a very dark year. Uh, and I think I got really, uh, just into partying too much. And, yeah. and I'd done it a little bit at Webster, but now these weren't just fun things. These were becoming habits and do you think somehow, you lost focus a little bit because you weren't, you didn't really go there for the theater, did you? Santa Monica, or were you just? I just want to kill time. I didn't yeah. know what to do. Yeah. I just couldn't make up my mind yet, and I knew that I didn't want to be in the real world, and that as long as I was in school, I would get my parents' support and help. So I, I was just kind of. You're like, I don't know what to do out. right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I know that I can't moment. do this on my own, so yeah. I'm gonna just fucking bite the bullet, do this one more do this thing. So I was there at Santa Monica college, just really get, thinking I was way more important than I was and, and living the lifestyle of a, what I thought a rock star or movie star was doing and, um, not focusing so much on the craft anymore, but somehow I, I got into the tempest. Uh, I don't even know how the hell I memorized my lines or even did that, but I played Trinkula and I think coincidentally that's the drunk character in that play. Uh huh. And I think I did show up pretty drunk to the audition, but um, just totally went for it and based it off of a meerkat. And just <laughs> it was so crazy. And <laughs> That's uh, awesome. you know, the lady uh, loved it and and put me in the play. And so anyway, um, yeah, at that time I was on a slippery slope, and I think my I had to beg my parents uh, not to send me to rehab because I was really just ha in a bad place. Um, and at that same time, we um, go to the mountains every Thanksgiving to Lake Arrowhead, which is near Big Bear. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's just the, what, when I think of a place of home, that, that's it, because it's this little cabin and we're all there and together. And my dad discovered CalArts and, uh, and that it would take all my credits from the other school that had kicked me out and that I could you know, I'd have to start over as a freshman, but I could go back yeah. to, to doing that. And so he actually researched it and found it himself. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. He, he did it, um, for me basically. And, and just said, here, you could do this. And so, uh, I begged them to not let me, to not put me in rehab and that I would go to one of these schools and, and try and start over and do it again. So, I was, it was UCLA and Cal Arts. I drove to UCLA to do their audition and, uh, everyone was so rude to me and, and I kept rolling down my window and it was raining and I, and I was asking where the theater was and like a scene out of an odd movie, people would just bolt and walk away from me very fast. I'm like, what the hell is going on? You know, like the Truman show, I'm like, hey, excuse me, where, do you know where the theater is? And they just quickly walk away from me and. <laughs> 
So I think did after not get the, a good vibe there. No, absolutely not. I, by the fourth or fifth time, I think I to myself I was like, "Fuck this, dude." So yeah. I just drove off. Did not audition. Did not tell my parents that I did not yeah. audition. Um, <laughs> I think I went back home and, and got high and was like, "All right, this is whatever, dude." Yeah, yeah. Um, so then Cal Arts audition uh, was coming up, and I realized I had forgot my headshot at home in Carlsbad or San Diego while uh-huh. I was looking up in LA. So my mother drove that morning from Carlsbad all the way up to Los Angeles, which is wow, that's a, a good drive. What, two and a half hours, maybe two hours at least. Yes, yeah, especially with traffic and the fact oh, that yeah, I was, with traffic, it could be four hours. <laughs> yeah, and, and the fact that her son was being a complete jerk off, and uh, she still believed in me, brought it up, and I drove up to Cal Arts and had one of those existential moments in the audition where I just. I don't know. I, I it's a, it's a very spiritual um, experience, and I feel connected to my ancestry and purposeful, and, and it happened, and I just opened up again, like I did that uh, scene in, at Cal Ar- or at uh, Webster. Yeah. So anyway, I I just regardless of what happened, went up to each one and and shook their hands and thanked them for this experience to feel alive and and purposeful again because I'd felt so um for the last year or so you were just down yeah uh and so they they thanked me and and i got in there and i knew the day they they send you like a birthday card it looks like Uh the day yeah my buddy pulled it out of the mail and i saw it and i knew in that moment that my life was never going to be the same and that i was that i had survived and gotten you know was going to get out of here get out of this dark hole alive wow that's that's a good story i mean I, I love how you had that epiphany, like right as you were getting thrown out of Webster, <laughs> just kind of <laughs> how to how to connect those emotions with your life. Like you said, yeah. that really is what the acting is all about, you know. Most definitely, um, it was an expensive lesson, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then Cal Arts went on, and I still kind of. That's when I started to get the darkest roles of my life. Yeah, that's. I remember you telling me before you like I had so many dark roles. <laughs> yeah, and, I like, even like fuck the lake. You, I remember you said you connected a lot with that character too, and your dark time. Yeah. I guess they were just talking yeah. about. But yeah, go go ahead. Oh no, it was just that it was so strange because you know backtrack. The reason I'd started doing all this was to make people laugh and entertain, and you know now I'm playing these characters that have, you know, mostly I always had to dress up as a woman. And, um, uh, I think the one I did by Jean Genet was called a splendid death. And I played this gangster who, um, well, basically the concept is there's a bunch of gangsters held up in this hotel. They just robbed a bank and they're surrounded by police and the head of the, the crew, um, they discover is not as powerful as they say, or as he says, or as he's acting. And that was me. And they slowly turn on him, and you find out um, that all these guys kind of have this overly homoerotic nature. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was because the writer himself was a, a thief, homosexual, and like drinker, and all these things. And you kind of wrote that into the play. But yeah. so they take my character off stage, beat me, break a couple of my ribs, dress me up as a woman, and rape me. And then bring me back on stage to parade me around. Wow, that's pretty intense. And uh, and my mom and dad came to see this, and my brother, and and it was 
just a, such an odd experience to have. And, um, you know, I, I, for that, I just thought of my sisters and connected with them personally. And, uh, I was afraid of, um, are, are just scared of, of men in that, in those moments. Cause you would just look at it and I'm like, Oh my God, they're these crazy, you know, animalistic things that are like, yeah. come. and you're just this gentle, helpless woman. That's like, not helpless. That's so bad to say, but just in that moment with a room full of men, you're like, this is awful. And, and this happens. Um, so anyway, that, that was a strange time. And, to combat it, I still was drinking and, and doing stuff, but I was able to hide that from most people and my parents. So they didn't know, but yeah. that, uh, I just didn't know what to do with myself cause I would do these parts and then come home and feel so weird and not myself. Um, yeah, so that happened. And then, uh, I think I already told you, but then that moment started to happen my junior year where I kind of knew what track I was on and that if I didn't change things again, that, um, I don't, you know, I wouldn't think that I'd even live to be 27. Yeah. Um, so yeah. How did you make the change? Well, uh, first of all, my, to backtrack again, when I was 17, I got hit by a car on the freeway, my body, uh, I, and that was kind of my first um, experience with my spirituality and being so strong. So long story short, as I was driving, it was raining. I hydroplaned, hit a car, then pulled over into the middle of the freeway. And I stepped out of my car and then got hit by another car Jeez. going uh, around 65 or 70. And I blacked out for those couple seconds. And the man I was talking to said, um, I did two and a half backflips and flew 30 feet back, 15 feet in the air and just slapped, slammed into the mud. And I woke, I, my, I woke up laying in the fetal position, not feeling my legs and blood just kind of running down my arm. Um, you know, and they came and told me that, uh, you, uh, you know, you just got hit by a car ambulance is coming. Hold tight. Yeah. So, you know, I asked him, like, I can't feel my legs, please. Can you pinch my feet? And he pinched my feet and I couldn't feel it. So I started to hyperventilate and I thought that this was it. I'm yeah. just going to die alone on the side of the freeway. That's scary. And yeah, I, I, my breathing became so erratic and crazy. And I uh, was just freaking out because I thought that was it. And then out of nowhere, the sun just kind of pierced through the clouds. And I remember rolling up and looking and my breathing subsided and was so relaxed. And I thought that, you know, not to be stereotypical, but I said, okay, well that's it. You die. You just yeah. stop fighting. You know, something inside you decide I, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore, dude. Let's just check out. And, uh, it was very peaceful, but then the sunlight, I remember being kind of the warmest hug I'd ever experienced brought back the feeling in my legs and this weird sense that I was going to be fine. And, um, and immediately my spirit perked up and I, I was like, all right, we're good. We don't need to go to the hospital. I'm good. <laughs> I made it. So yeah, I'm like, this, you know, we don't need to go find out if I got internal bleeding or stuff like that. <laughs> That's not good. So anyway, um, that was the first moment of it where I felt the universe, yeah. if you will, had talked to me and that was way too powerful of, of a, uh, of something to, or of a thing to happen at that age. And I didn't know how to handle that because I, I felt that that meant I would have to mature a lot and accept that I couldn't be that naive yeah. and, and ignorant, which is kind of awesome when you're going to college, you want to 
to do what you want. But so anyway, um, now I'm 20, almost 24. And, uh, my little nephew at the time, uh, or still, uh, still alive. I don't know at the time. It's, um, he's still around. He's still little. I'm going to see him next week. And, uh, he was four and, uh, uh, for whatever reason, it just reminded me of myself or just the innocence in which we all come from. And I was super drunk reading him bedtime story when he was visiting in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is during that crazy, weird Jean Genet play. And I read him the story. And then I, after I looked at him and I got real with him, I said, dude, I like, you know how much I love you. And I think about you all the time. And he goes, do you know how much I love you? And I think you're the funniest big kid I know. And for some reason, it just like a a knockout punch to the heart hit me so hard. And I just thought, well, I don't even think this about myself. And this beautiful young mind sees this thing that I used to see. and, And if there's anything I'm going to do with my life, it's proved that if one possesses the imagination and playfulness of a child, all things are possible and, and God damn it. I'm going to prove that, that this little kid is right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the whole drive back from, oh, well, the next morning, this is the scary part where I knew I had to actually do it. Um, he stops watching toy story before I drive back up to Cal arts and he goes, don't forget what I told you last night. Wow. And that shook me. I got, I, I started shaking and it's kind of giving me goosebumps thing. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like this little Buddha, this little you Zen can just see dude. It. Yeah, he he cut wow. right through all the bullshit, and I I cried the whole way up. I knew I what I needed to do, and still I I was having a tough time because it's no easy feat to let yeah. this crap go. And then finally, the goofiest slash most awesome story is I was in Joshua Tree at the Integratron for my spring break, and we all take mushrooms and we're just gonna hang out and so this place the integratron was supposedly built by this man in the 50s who was told by aliens from venus to construct this perfectly shaped dome that has no metal in it whatsoever it's just all wood kind of pressed in on itself yeah uh they the aliens had told him to build this so that it could prolong humanity another 50 years so he would uh, he was told this at this rock that was the largest standing boulder in the United States, which was split in half. Um, and he would meditate there with a group of people and then was told to do this. So anyway, he didn't feel that people deserve to live an extra 50 years because we're so self-destructive. But nonetheless, he still wanted to kind of construct this beautiful uh, dome that uh, was modeled after the tabernacle in Giza or Moses's tabernacle. Oh, wow. That's a crazy story in itself. Oh yeah, dude. Okay. Next time you come out here, we we'll go to it. They do sound baths, and this guy plays these giant bowls after he tells you this crazy story, and you just lay there, and it's this massage from the inside out because the body is primarily made up of water, so you're getting the water inside your body to still and vibrate in a positive way, which in turn affects your external being, and it's this weird loop effect. And this yeah. was before. This is before we even took the mushrooms, and I was like, oh, my God. This, this is an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm thinking, this is, thank God I'm here. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that happens. They, uh, The guy gives the crazy story. He, We take take mushrooms, and then um, 
everyone starts to get to that phase where they're trying to talk as if the trip is over, even though most people are still tripping Mm -hmm. and they're pulling their phones out, which immediately my body has saved me so many times where it just pulls me out. Like even it, it just like crawls out. It's like, nah, we can't be here. So it took me out of the dome and I found myself sitting on this stage. They have it a stage there. It's the coolest place. I'll have to show you pictures, but there's this weird stage that's there and it had one light on it and I'm sitting there in the dark just pondering my life. And I look up into the stars and as clear as day, something tells me that if I clean up my act, if I let these vices go and fulfill that vision I had through my nephew, all this will be achieved and will come true. And it was so bizarre because it was just like the time where I had been healed from the hit car accident. And I started laughing uncontrollably because I, I thought, well, that's it. <laughs> all right. That's yeah, I could do that. It's like, that's all um, I got to do. All right. Yeah. Now cool. Check, check that off the list. Um, but I remember specifically then laughing and going, okay, well, now you're being a cocky asshole and nobody likes that. And <laughs> they're going to know if you, do, if that's how you're living your life and that you need to continue to be a humble passenger. Uh huh. And this, you know, making his way through life. So anyway, that that happened. And then my 24th birthday came where I turned 24 on June 24th. And and then that was it. And then I let it all go. And I have gotten really into uh, kundalini yoga and meditation and have discovered through the breath that that's the key to playing any character um, is kind of discovering how your character breathes because that is runs much deeper than any kind of surface level understanding that we might have have through the mind of how our character might yeah, be that's really interesting so, so do you start with that a lot now when you're actually preparing for a character yeah yes i always um will will find the breath of the character um uh, yeah i remember going going back to fuck the lake i remember you were you had kind of a routine that you would go through before we did especially that last big scene that was really intense Oh yeah. And, um, maybe you could talk a little bit about what you were doing then. And I don't know if you still do the same things that you were doing or if you have a a different routine now just to kind of get your mind in the right place before you get in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, no, I still pretty much do a similar thing. Um, I come from the school of, of thought that the heart kind of already knows what to do. Uh huh. So, um, when I do a certain breathing exercise, I'm kind of priming it like an oven, getting it warmed up and focused. And then what I'll do is put on a specific piece of music for me, Chopin or uh, Rachmaninoff or any type of classical music kind of will remind me of the the beautiful aspect of life or the, the poetry that you can find. And, and it's such a pure kind of way of delivering that magic or, or whatever. So yeah. I'll s- then sit in a meditative posture and, and just, just be affected by it and let myself become vulnerable. And then through that, I'm able to start letting the circumstances really live inside of me at, at a low guttural level and not just in my mind anymore, because your mind is, is a pretty tricky uh, thing and, and will you know, give you the illusion that, Oh yeah, you're feeling it. You're feeling it, bro. Got it. 
Uh, but it, it's, it's different from life when it's actually your body that's experiencing it. And then your mind is kind of trying to understand what the hell's going on. So if you're able to just still, still the water uh, of your mind and then let these kind of, um, circumstances or ideas really just sink to the bottom, uh, and just continue to breathe. That's how it helps me. Um, I, yeah, in that sense, I feel that, uh, you're able to connect a little bit easier. Yeah. yeah. I'm not having to act anymore, but it's kind yeah. of inform So inform uh, when, when you first get a, a role, is there a lot, do you do much like research or like, you know, going through the script and kind of building the character in your mind, maybe a backstory and uh, creating all the stuff before, before you actually get there? Yeah, I, I do as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten better at doing, at it being consistent because, you know, there's some times where I'll put a lot of work into it on one day and then not get to it for, you know, five days. Yeah. And I've, I've really tried to work at doing a little bit each day because I think that it has more time to sink in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think right away just underlining what th people are saying about you or how, how you kind of feel about yourself, just hashing out your point of view and then um, extracting as much as I can from the script so that I don't make any large assumptions when I'm working on creating the backstory so that it actually is what's going on in the world based and on then, the world of the script you mean yeah, yeah. because i my imagination could take me <laughs> <laughs> you know then they're like who is what is, what guy are you playing <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're like what you um, came from the planet zoltan <laughs> come on that that was clearly in the script you guys just didn't get that version but um yeah so no that that's the first part is you kind of have to just the same way a cook prepares to make food, you get your recipe and you start going, all right, so this is the, this is the ingredients. This is what we need to get. So let's get all these. And then you, you know, you got to research what, why this ingredient is going to help this thing taste this way or be felt this way. And, you know, so, uh, for example, I'm, I'm playing Brian Epstein right now in this traveling Beatles show. Um, off and on, we take little tours, but he wrote a book and, uh, you know, you read the book and then you start to just kind of understand the mind in that way and yeah. his thought process. There's interviews from him uh, that you can find on YouTube. So what I did is kind of transcribed like a musician uh, the whole speech, but then also marked where he took his breath. So then I'll just run it over and over, uh, breathing where he did, and then that will affect the way that my body's working and how yeah. I'm thinking, which is very crazy to do. But um it's I think now just after you've gotten the specifics of the script, just leaving yourself uh, the room to be creative and explore and not assume that you've discovered every possible way you could get into this character because then that just is boring. And then, you know, that's so arrogant of yeah. me to say, You're like, oh, well, I've got it all figured out. So, you know, I try to get back to that space when I was a kid skateboarding and everything was possible you're like okay i'm gonna you know do a mctwist off the, the tree and uh yeah, just, do a 360 flip into this pool you know and then set myself on fire getting back to that <laughs> sense of play that you had when you were a kid yeah and everything is is totally doable yeah. so i think that's that's the process and then once you get there you just find a that. way to let go and just connect with all the stuff that you put into your head 
<laughs> yeah, 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 and and just digest it, and then that's what the I'd say the Kundalini helps me. Now I'll just do that every time before I I act, um, either at home or there. Uh, and typically, I don't know if you're familiar with Kundalini, but they have kriyas, and there's different kriyas, like thousands of them, and they're all catered towards different effects in your body and mind. And Are they breathing, so, breathing patterns, or what is a kriya like? Yeah, there's breathing patterns, or there's mantra, and then there's physical postures that you're holding, the mm -hmm. mudras. So, for instance, there's one to um, open uh, open up your heart center and clear out your electromagnetic field. So they're uh, looking at the notion that you, each person has kind of this nine-foot aura around them of energy that uh, exists, and depending on how you've lived your life or what you do, that's either radiating strongly or, or poorly or negatively or positively, and mm -hmm. you're trying to get this balance. So when you do these kriyas, for instance, the heart one, you're, you're opening up that heart mind, and then you're clearing out the aura around you or your energy so that you can now uh, – sincerely take on this character and that's how i've used it so yeah. people will do it to help themselves but then it helps me get to this zero space this kind of neutral place where i can then do the character justice yeah that's really interesting yeah uh i mean because i'm not an intelligent person in my thoughts are kind of <laughs> jumbled no no i'm, I'm uh. being honest like sometimes i'm thinking jesus christ what is, uh <laughs> what's going on but my heart my god i'm so grateful for my empathy and my sensitivity now and i don't think i was as a kid yeah um and i kind of just trying to retrain myself to get back to that place because it, it's so powerful i mean everyone's got this beautiful thing that doesn't quit and just keeps pumping away and it's uh, you know carrying your ass through this life it's really pretty uh incredible and yeah, that's where all your energy comes from yeah it's what it, you know, and uh, also an odd thing is that when you're born, you're connected, uh, your head and your heart are connected and that your heart actually begins pumping before your brain waves are activated. So in a sense, that's actually your real brain or thing that was kind of came first. Yeah. That's interesting to think about too. Yeah. So, it's wild. So uh, let's, let's get to your most recent endeavor with uh, Mr. Cruiser. I don't know how much you can say, but I've I've followed uh -huh. along on a lot of his posts on Burning Shades and his, his Facebook. But uh, are you able to talk about, it's called Far Off, right? Yeah. And I don't know if you're able to talk about like kind of what your character is and what you're playing. Um, I'm not sure how much you. Yeah, I'm not sure either. <laughs> I think uh, I could just tell you that I'm so grateful he's in my life because he's giving me all these roles that I've always dreamed of playing. Um, and this one is a villain and I've always just secretly wanted to play a villain because I'm so nice. Yeah. And, um, you are a nice uh, guy, Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like even sometimes I'm like, God damn it. You're, you're too nice. And you just, <laughs> you got to stand up just, for yourself a little more. Yeah. You're just a pushover. You give people the benefit of the doubt every time, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was interesting to tap into that shadowy dark side that we talked about and, and let that surface again and really, see what would come of that and this definitely is a story of uh of good and evil the classic you know um kind of uh story i guess yeah, more and, archetypal 
kind of thing. Yeah, the, ar- the classic archetypal story of, of good and evil battling each other. And um, yeah, I, I'd say that... Uh, how else can I say? I don't. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't think I <laughs> no, you, don't, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Sean. I'll, I'll cut it out. But um, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, then that <laughs> could ask Sean if it was okay. Yeah, it's just about um, kind of these weird demonic people that are, are you know, around and they maintain are a kind of um, what is it? Protect or uh, I can't even think of the word they um yeah our protectors are, are they kind of mediate the evil in the world and, and are kind of trying to control it the chaos of if you will of what's going on in the world mm-hmm. and then there's people that aren't that are actual people that are planning to screw over the kind of demon world by taking this thing that contains all evil and uh in selling it and just kind of using it for to kind of help themselves out financially and and then how that all goes awry that sounds interesting it was was it a crazy shooting schedule i mean it it was a full feature correct yeah Yeah. um it was crazy i don't think as crazy as fuck the lake was (laughs) that that kind of was that was just a one one weekend blast yeah, that that was so intense. But I love that actually. I, I think it's great because you get out of your head and you don't have any more energy or uh, energy to bullshit or lie yeah. to yourself. You really are like, okay, I I really only have enough focus to just do what I need to do. Uh-huh. And I think that's helpful. Um, but yeah, this one was it just took a while because of people's schedules. But when we were in it, there are there are a few days where it was, um, you know, it got pretty brutal. But I think that. Uh, yeah, the the more you live your life and the more you have kind of a daily spiritual practice, you realize how lucky you are anyway to be even having that be your problem yeah. for the day. Like, oh, oh no, I'm doing what I love and it's taking a while and it's, you know, like, <laughs> like that, well, that, things that, could be worse. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm not freaking uh, picking up dog crap and yeah. walking dogs. Yeah, which I, you know, I love walking dogs, but you know, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I I think uh, there were a few days that was tough. I did There's see one... there were there were the post. I don't know if this is what you're about to say, but I saw that you guys got quite sunburned the one day. Oh yeah, up into the mountains. <laughs> we we're uh, yeah, just totally uh, destroyed by the sun, and and I was worried to film the next day because I thought, well, I'm not even look the same yeah. color. <laughs> uh yeah that that was funny um I, that got really intense towards the end of the day there was one scene i think that uh will be pretty good because everyone was genuinely experiencing what the characters were feeling yeah um so they you know jen and i definitely let it rip uh and and so did lisa um but then the one day i'm thinking about is when we uh almost got shot by the cops oh i heard about this story yeah, that that was so funny. Uh, we were in Carlsbad at a house that my dad was, uh, you know, working on doing the architecture for, and the couple that lived there was an older couple. They had a couple of sons. Said it would be cool if we filmed there, and and it was, you know. So we were we were there filming during the day on a Sunday, uh, and upstairs i guess was when vic and jen were doing a scene where they're kind of yelling and and talking about a gun (laughs) and i was downstairs right out front on the patio laying down on my back 
doing this uh, shaman breathing technique, which you breathe in through the belly and then the heart and then out your mouth. So coincidentally sounds like maybe you've gotten shot and you're trying <laughs> to not <laughs> act as if Gasping you're Gasping for your last couple of breaths yeah, of air. Here I'm just going, <sighs> oh God. Uh, you know, and so I'm laying there doing this, have no idea, have my headphones on, listen to my classical music, get in the zone. And uh, my, I set a timer usually because I go off in these weird little journeys. Yeah. So the timer goes off. I sit up and I see a couple of cops with their guns out um, creeping around the side of the garage. <laughs> oh, and they're man. looking at me. And if, if uh, you've seen any of the pictures, you know that my costume is a kind of weird, just like half tuxedo pants with a dress shirt. And yeah. then those the eyes – which are these weird, uh, crazy contacts, what they call them. So I have these little beady, demonic eyes. <laughs> so you and just I, look like a freak. I look like a nut job, and I stand up, and I take my headphones off, and then the cops are start you know, asking what's going on. And I'm saying, oh, nothing. We're, we're just inside filming a movie. And, and the whole time I'm talking, they don't buy a word of it. Yeah. They still have their guns drawn. They're still looking at me intent, intensely and um, – you know, I remember I started to kind of put my hands towards my hips and the guy screams. He's like, get your hands out of your pockets!" Oh, wow. That is and intense. <laughs> so now I'm standing there with my arms in the air and I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's only two ways this goes down. They either, they either put their guns away or they shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, They're either uh, laughing it off or shooting. Yeah. And so I yelled up to everyone to get down here and. Um, were you like, hey, hey, guys? <laughs> like, guys, guys, please come down here. Uh, I, um, they, there's been a misunderstanding, and they don't come right away. And so I remember getting realized, like, guys, come down here. And um, uh, you know, they finally start to walk out. I tell them there's these toy gun or uh, fake guns. The cop says, don't bring them out. Ryan's starting to walk out with the fake guns, and I look at him. I remember I just like scream at him to put the guns down. It seemed like some. <laughs> drama oh movie i'm like don't you bring those guns out <laughs> such a weapon down. <laughs> so you know and you're now like the, the negotiator I, talking them down <laughs> yeah seriously i'm like ryan i do not want to be shot today uh or ever and uh <laughs> wow the, the boom mic guy the boom the boom dude was out so you know at least i'm thinking okay they gotta understand like who the hell would bring a boom mic guy to record people getting yeah, shot yeah in a domestic uh, abuse thing, you know, like nobody comes to, you know, record that. Like, oh, I'm just really into hearing. We're, just, we're doing a snuff film up here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just great, you know, and it's real. But um, so they, uh, yeah, they all slowly walk out and then the cops start to lower their guns and then four more come from out of hiding that all have their guns out and are wow. ready to kind of go. And they'd, uh, heard that there was um a there they had gotten a call that a couple had uh been you know violent with each other yeah. and they thought it they thought it was related um but you know that was that and then i texted my dad and he was at church and he just gets his text that's like dad call me now cops here <laughs> <laughs> it's bad it's a this is real you know it's not good and uh so yeah he came and it was all squared away and just a funny experience. Wow. Yeah, that is a crazy story. I could just imagine that cop when he saw you sit up with those eyes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm surprised, yeah. like, bullets didn't start flying then. I'm You're so lucky. glad that they, you know, and, and I, scary. I wonder how long were they watching me yeah. do this breathing exercise thinking that there's a dude dying or, you know. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that. I've seen a few clips of the film and I'm really excited to see it. You know, I think up to date each time I get something to work on, I try to go a bit further yeah. down the, the hole of, of, you know, getting into character. So I'm excited. Yeah, me and, too. Um, it's, and Sean, Sean's a hard worker too. So I'm sure it's going to be edited and put together quicker oh, than but, most <laughs> yeah i'm thinking probably by the end of the week <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could be the end of the week i know he's getting there it's probably he's already finished out. he's just yeah. you know he's just doing no, his, he, his second draft <laughs> yeah now the whole film in itself the actors that i got to work with they're all so badass and just raw and and uh it looks so cool in the sense that of, of it being like a western mixed with this horror and the lighting is it's so eerie yeah. I, i'm really um, excited to see how I pieced it together because there's so many rewrites based on um, having to reschedule and just uh, changing it up as we go. So it was cool. We were constantly on our toes, just getting new material to... and stuff and figuring yeah, it out. Yeah, so, you know, trying to connect the dots. Awesome. Well, I, I think we're going to wrap it up here pretty soon, but um, is there any cool. like last, last words or advice you want to give to anyone that's maybe trying to get into acting or following? following their dream um i'd say just uh, get get familiar with yourself and try and um you know not be afraid to to really find out who you are as a person because i think that that's the only way you'll ever be able to tell someone else's story is if you can figure out your own that's well put so uh yeah. wh where can people find you on the internet or oh. is there anywhere that you post stuff that you're working on or shoot i i'm really bad about that because i get so uh on the fence of i i don't know i'm a weird guy in that way but uh don't want to get think... sucked into the social media yeah I get, it like i feel I so you. weird yeah i feel because i find myself i'm like hunched over just like <laughs> like in, and i'm like oh my god i gotta stand up and go run around outside um but People are great on Facebook and, and always will tag me in things. And I've been lucky enough to kind of just let that do most of yeah. the updates. And then every once in a while, I, I will post it there. But um, that that's, I'd say, on my Facebook. I don't have a Twitter. I don't think anything I have to say on a daily basis is that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> there are other people out there that are great at it. And yeah. I love being I'm not being one there. of them either. So I feel you. I yeah, I, I get too uh, existential most times because then I'll question that feeling that I've stated. You know, if yeah. I go, oh, I'm having a great day because yada, yada, yada. And by the time I've written it, I'm like, is that really what's making you feel good? Because <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, you know? yeah. You get, it, you get too deep, too quick. <laughs> Wait, yeah, and I'm like, okay, I should just leave this alone. And there's people that are good at this and I'm not. So, yeah, I'd say Facebook. Is there, is there uh, anything um, you've recently done that's been put up on the web that people could check out? Yeah, there's this thing called Beans, Rice, and Potatoes. It's a funny web series. Oh, yeah, series. I've watched some of that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's super goofy, and um, I I play kind of like a Donnie character from Big Lebowski. I, I just am there, taking uh -huh. up space. You're out of your element, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really, you know, it's just a lot of people talking over me, and I'm just kind of sitting there like, all right. Uh, and, and I liked it. It was fun. Do they so have a website, or is it just on YouTube? Uh, if you look up prescriptionam.com, that's the channel on YouTube, and there's okay. other little funny mu or, uh, videos. And then if you type my name in on YouTube, I have a channel. I don't really do much on it anymore, but there's weird character videos I made. Uh, 
there's a music video I made where I am dressed in a giant star costume made out of cardboard. Uh, yeah. I think I've yellow seen that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's always yeah, fun. Some good funny stuff on there. <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. And then just this stuff. Uh, the play, I, I think the play I'm doing, the Beatles show, we might be traveling to the Midwest in uh, March. Oh, cool. Yeah, if so, you're anywhere close to this way, let me know. I'd love to come yeah, check Yeah, definitely. Out. I can get you tickets. Cool. Um, yeah, so uh, that's about it. Awesome, I feel like man. More. I can't remember. It's, uh, it's exciting, man. I'm, I'm glad we got to do this. I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. I'm really uh, happy that you thought to ask me. Definitely, man. All right, so you can follow me, John Jerko, at John Jerko on Twitter and Instagram and find out more about Odyssey and Muse, including the show notes for each episode at odysseyandmuse.com. But most importantly, go to iTunes, subscribe, and rate the show. That's how the show gets noticed and grows. So thank you for listening. And until next time, follow your true north. Bye.